your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy this episode and want to catch up on previous episodes you've missed or stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. On tonight's episode, we will be taking a look at the Winnipeg Jets versus the Vancouver Canucks, another road game and a very big one for the Jets because uh, obviously every game in the Northern Division remains a major standing situation. And with about around 20-ish, 25-ish percent of the season done, the Jets are now getting well underway through their schedule, and all of these matchups have very big playoff implications, especially since some of these teams are going to be the ones they're either chasing for a top playoff seed or the ones behind them hunting them down trying to track down one of those last open spots. Vancouver is technically in the postseason hunt, although I think they're one of those teams that most folks are starting to get a better sense of actually being a very bad team, and I wasn't really sure which version of the Canucks we were going to see tonight. If they were any sort of competent, which depending on which version of the Jets show up, they actually have played decent hockey against Winnipeg, you know, it, it could be a problem. They have some very talented goal scorers and guys like Elias Petterson and, and Niels Hoglander, who's been uh, very hot as of late, scoring in multiple points over the past few games and generally being a really dynamic offensive threat. Of course, Vancouver's biggest uh, deficiency right now continues to be on their back end and some of their depth players. They've got a lot of D who are very slow and not exactly... Uh, well, let's just say they're past their primes at this point, and they've got guys like Tyler Myers who, while they can create offensive opportunities, are more likely to turn over the puck in their own end and miss their markings inside the defensive zone. With how the Jets like to stretch the play and counter from a deeper position inside their defensive zone, if Winnipeg could actually find a way to get up the ice, that would actually give them a potential advantage, especially in matchups, because even though Winnipeg put in Nate Thompson tonight over a guy like Christian Besselainen, on the whole, Winnipeg's roster should still win the matchup battles. Where I started to get concerned was the change to get the Connor Shifley-Wheeler back as the top line. I wasn't really convinced of this one because we've seen it fail before, and let's be honest, Every time CSW is in the defensive zone, it's an absolute nightmare. This line really struggles under offensive pressure because there are plenty of speedier forwards that can take advantage of Kyle Connor's lack of defensive awareness and Wheeler's lack of foot speed. And then you factor in the fact that the Jets' blue line is, for the most part, very rudimentary right now. And there were some weaknesses here that were very clear off the bat. I will say that as far as this first period is concerned, the Jets actually came out you know, firing on most cylinders. I think the first couple of seconds were not great. Winnipeg wasn't really able to get much going, especially with the first couple of shifts from the top line. We saw what this line struggles with in particular, which is defensive zone exits, and of course they got pinned in on like two or three different shifts, which is just not the situation that you want to start with. You know, the Canucks may be a, a struggling team, but they can certainly hurt you very quickly. Thankfully, Winnipeg didn't get bitten and over time started to wear down uh, Vancouver's defense, I guess. I don't really know what happened. It just seemed like Vancouver's blue line sort of stopped skating, especially inside their defensive zone, because there were multiple instances where I think Vancouver was waiting for some 
either like a line change or some kind of like breakout and one or two of their blue liners would be sitting there and at least one of them would have the puck and all of a sudden the Jets forwards would easily strip them of the puck and create an offensive opportunity. I'm very used to like Static D getting picked off because I think the Jets have the same issue but the difference is Winnipeg usually tries these zone exits where they ring the puck along the walls or they try like a stretch pass of some sort that's usually very ill-advised because it's very telegraphed and it doesn't happen fast enough. Vancouver's defenders just kind of stood around with the puck and ended up getting picked off two or three different times, which set up a number of great scoring chances for guys like Ehlers, Perot, and a few other forwards. Appleton had one too. And I get that the Jets may not be the best team right now, but that's something that you really can't afford to have happen, especially in front of Thatcher Demko. Demko is a pretty decent goalie, but he can only do so much to mask just how bad Vancouver's defense is, so the Canucks cannot afford to be this sloppy, and I think it was a very big uh, testament to the fact that the Jets had pumped them full of shots heading into the uh, the first intermission, and actually ended up scoring a very nice goal. The lone marker came from Mark Shifley. It looked like a bouncing puck sort of caught Alexander Edler and Nate Schmidt a little bit flat-footed, and we all know Edler at this stage of his career doesn't really have the foot speed to track back. That said, Edler got completely turned inside out and was more or less toast as soon as Shifley got the inside cut on him. You know, Edler couldn't really drag him down because it was going to be a penalty, and Edler also couldn't catch him, so he was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, if you will. The only thing I can say about Nate Schmidt on this play is that I probably would have liked a little bit more of an effort from him to try and disrupt it, but I could understand that he was kind of put in a really tough position, and he did track back a decent amount to try and get the uh, the outside cut on Mark Shifley, but Mark is already down the ice and easily pots it past uh, Thatcher Demko, one nothing Jets, and Winnipeg started drawing some penalties and generally controlling most of the period. And then, like, the final 10 seconds of the game happened, and I think this is where the Jets run into some serious issues. The Jets had a very good stranglehold on most of the period, but in that very last minute, you could see them sort of back off, and all of a sudden it seemed like Vancouver started pressuring. And as soon as the Canucks pressure, like, the Jets' defensive structure collapses, and it's a yard sale in front of the goalie tonight who was uh, Laurent Brassois. So I feel like the Jets need to clean this up. This continues to be an issue for them. They've had periods before where they left with a lead and then promptly blew it in some dramatic fashion. This is one of the situations where a one-goal lead doesn't feel particularly safe because, again, Winnipeg has been sloppy. They've turned the puck over too, not as much as Vancouver has, but enough to be a, a bit of a concern. The tire fire defensive sequence right before the period ended was very worrying because there was a lot of chaos in front of uh, Brassois. The D weren't really able to manmark. Vancouver was skating circles around everyone. And sure, the Jets could have had, you know, three goals in that first period easily. You know, there was a, a robbery on Kyle Connor on one of the power plays, and Kyle Connor missed another opportunity where I don't think he was anticipating the pass, and it just sort of leaked by him. But by the same token, towards the end of the period, could have easily been tied 1-1. The Jets can't afford to be sloppy heading into the second and third period because, let's be honest, Vancouver can easily hurt you very quickly, especially on special team situations, which I think Vancouver right now is due a couple of power plays. Winnipeg has to be careful with their sticks, pay attention, don't turn it over, and if they can work on some of the defensive details, hopefully they'll hold this lead and take the win because the upcoming schedule is going to get very difficult from here. In just a moment, we'll take a look at some of the other periods, including the second frame and how Winnipeg responds to Vancouver's late push. But before then, I thought you should know a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. When it comes to online betting, it's hard to find the safest and most reliable option, especially with so many choices available to you. How can you find one you can trust, though? If you're still searching, look no further than BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action and has the best, most diverse selection of bets in the industry. Football action may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, and international football are all in full swing. BetOnline also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. 
featuring the latest in updated odds and real-time propositions on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on who you think the next Stanley Cup champion is going to be, or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show, BetOnline also keeps you up to date on the latest news and all the scores and odds you could possibly use, so you'll always be in the know when you place your bets. Getting started is super easy. Go to BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device and you can sign up today for a free account. And when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are going to take a look at Period Two from Vancouver versus Winnipeg. Before then, though, I thought you should know a little bit about why you need to be listening to Locked On today. We're covering everything you need to know about the Winnipeg Jets, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And now for some thoughts about a very energetic, high-paced, high-intensity second period that saw both the Canucks and the Jets really bring some offensive chops to the game. Despite still being a one nothing scoreline by the end of 40 minutes, this game felt like it could have had about 5 or 6 goals. We'll start with Vancouver, who actually seemed to wake up pretty quickly and had a, a fairly productive period. I think Vancouver got a very good look at the slot several times. A number of their players like Adam Gaudet, Elias Pettersson, later Nate Schmidt on a breakaway, and Niels Hoglander had some really good looks around Laurent Brassois. But somehow Brassois stood really tall and I think kept this, this Jets team ahead by a, a fairly decent amount of saves. I mean, this was a this was a period where both teams really struggled to limit scoring chances inside the slot and interior area. Uh, I think Vancouver had, in my eye, a couple of better chances towards the, uh, the end of the second period. Winnipeg, I thought, had the stronger first half of the period, but as Vancouver started to warm up, it kind of seemed like the Jets were, were starting to struggle just a little bit, and they were having issues exiting their own zone. This is the sort of stuff I was concerned about, because Winnipeg also started getting called for more infractions and penalties, which is not really an ideal situation. You know, the more PKing you have to do, the less the Jets are going to have uh, at even strength in order to create, and I think that that definitely showed as Vancouver started warming up and getting faster and faster. As far as the Jets are concerned, I wasn't too, too upset with the effort. I think defensively they had a lot of issues. But what I did like to see is that I think Winnipeg understands they have to take more chances and, and get a little bit messy with it. You know, the D were activating more frequently inside the offensive zone. We saw Pullman leading a couple of rushes. Morrissey jumped in through the center slot. We saw the ever-reliable Neil Pionk doing his stuff. And so these are positive signs for me because I think the coaching staff needs to recognize that a conservative, deep-lying approach doesn't really work with this team. You know, you're going to concede a lot of scoring opportunities, and you're going to leave Hellebuck and Bressois in a bit of a bad spot every now and then. But just as Bressois had to make a number of sterling saves, so did Thatcher Demko in Vancouver's net. The Jets got some extraordinarily good looks on him, and a couple of uh, sterling and fabulous saves, especially when you looked at it on the replay, Demko had to pull off. So I think the Jets, you know, they were offensively creative. They were definitely putting a couple of really good scoring uh, chances from crossing passes and some really good counters and rushes on. And I, I would prefer to see that more than the really defensive style that we saw last season and at times earlier in this season. You know, the Jets have had a habit of sitting really deeply to try and uh, trap and counter and then spring breakouts the other way. But of course, we all know the Jets really struggle to do that kind of stuff, especially in light of Winnipeg's defensive system often confusing the skaters. You can occasionally see Winnipeg skaters struggling to handle overlapping routes, which we saw a couple of times as Vancouver started to, to run around the perimeter, especially around the goal line and around the perimeter towards the, the sidewalls, 
Winnipeg skaters got a little bit confused. You saw more Vancouver skaters cutting into the central slot area, and when Winnipeg's defenders, which is basically every skater inside the defensive zone, were trying to adjust positions and readjust their markings, you could tell that they were struggling a little bit. There was a, a couple of sequences I was particularly concerned about where Winnipeg skaters essentially left two or three guys open because they were all changing their marks, and they didn't really know whose assignment they were supposed to take. So that kind of stuff does worry me, but... Once the Jets got out of their own zone, they were able to get a little bit more creative in front of Demko, and I think the Jets could have had a couple of goals. The same can certainly be said for Vancouver, though, and I think this is probably one of the more offensively ambitious performances the Canucks have had in some time. Vancouver has had a really bad stretch of games over the past couple of weeks, and so this is probably something of a reassuring performance for them personally. As for what I would say for this, I think the Jets have done a pretty decent job. It's not a great game. It's very watchable. I'm okay with the Jets losing if they're willing to take chances and have fun. You know, I, for me, I don't really feel like this season is something that, aside from hoping that they make the playoffs and make some noise, I'm not really setting huge expectations for. If you know that you're not going to call up guys like Billy Heinola or Dylan Sandberg to improve this blue line, then you know what? Cut loose, have fun, and be willing to trade blows and exchange scoring chances. I think against teams like this where you have to be a little bit more run and gun, you know, that's not the worst outcome. I would prefer that the Jets control games like they did in the first period before they had that spastic end to the, to the final like minute or so, but I would certainly exchange a sloppy, boring, crappy play where the Jets, you know, are just going to get toasted for a more fun, entertaining, energetic style where it's more of a 50-50 shot as to who's actually going to emerge the victor. I think when Winnipeg has these sorts of odds and they can just sort of run and gun and let their top-end forwards sort of cut loose, it makes it a much more enjoyable experience as a fan, which we desperately need because, to be honest, the Jets have been playing very boring hockey over the past couple of seasons. As far as the top line is concerned, I did see a couple of better shifts from Blake Wheeler and some of the other skaters, although I think it was fortunate that Kyle Connor's uh, breakaway, which maybe could have been an interference call, um, you know, certainly I think Schmidt sort of bodied him or whatever, I think that that's not the greatest opportunity against, but, you know, you, you do surrender those from time to time, and I think it's a risk that the Jets are just going to have to live with. Winnipeg itself was fortunate when it didn't get penalized from Mark Shifley tripping a defender inside Vancouver's zone, and somehow in the missed call, the Jets actually almost scored, but to be honest, I, I would have been, as a fan, probably not super pleased with that. I feel like that should have been a trip on Shifley anyways, and, you know, you don't want to cheat the system necessarily. I think Shifley probably knew that he got away with one. Gotta earn it the fair and square way for the most part, unless you actually get the penalty power play call, and then you can then you can have a little bit of fun. But all told, I will say that this is a fun period. The Jets' top line, you know, defensively, not so great, but at least offensively, they were able to get some good end-to-end -end rushes, and we saw some of the old Blake Wheeler cutting in and out. But beyond that, you know, it's going to lead to an interesting third period. Hopefully Winnipeg can maintain the lead. They probably need at least two more goals to put this one away. But if not, let's hope Laurent Brassois is up to the challenge and can continue to be a beast in net. In just a moment, we'll dive into the third period and see how Winnipeg finished this game off. But before then, I thought you should hear a little bit about why rockauto.com is the best place to satisfy all your auto part needs. When it comes to DIY car repairs or just buying auto parts so you can take it to the service shop, it can be hard to find the best deals and know what you're even looking for. If you're tired of running around in circles, look no further than rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their intuitive, easy-to-use website allows you to filter by make, year, and model of your vehicle and set a price range, so you always get the parts you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com's diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock. Best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick and mortar in-store pricing. 
Why shop anywhere else when you can get the same exact parts for even less at rockauto.com? There's no membership fee, and all users pay the same price no matter your level of experience or industry. To get started, just go to rockauto.com, and when you're placing your order, be sure to write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's episode with a few final thoughts from Winnipeg's 2-0 victory over the Vancouver Canucks. I'll spoil it ahead of time as to who got the second goal because it's probably the most positive part that I'm going to be able to talk about here. Mason Appleton got a nice empty net goal, which was a lot of hustle and a lot of effort from him, and I think, in general, Mason really deserved it. He had a great performance, and aside from the cop, Stastny Ehlers line was probably one of the more positive play drivers on the night. That's going to be where uh, a lot of the good stuff kind of ends, because, let's be honest, the Jets sort of fell apart in the third period. There was a trend heading in from the second period where Winnipeg started to collapse as soon as Vancouver applied pressure, and the more disorganized things got, the Jets just really seemed to fall apart. Shift after shift got spent in the defensive zone, and nobody could make a clean exit. You know, the Mark Shifley line got absolutely cratered, Nate Thompson's line got obliterated, Adam Lowry had a night to forget. It just really wasn't a particularly great performance, and what was really odd to see was just how disorganized the Jets were. There was no real uh, philosophy or organization that you could tell, with random players floating in uh, inconvenient places inside the offensive zone so that when their linemates actually got into good scoring positions, there was no support to even make it there. There were disorganized zone entries, very scrappy plays around the net, and it just didn't really feel like a very cohesive period. When you saw the Canucks counter, Vancouver had a very organized approach. And the Canucks are a bad team, right? And yet Winnipeg's ability to cave under almost any sort of pressure, even with just like a two- or a three-man press, was very evident. As soon as any sort of Vancouver forward made even a motion towards the Winnipeg net, it was just like a, it seemed like a deck of cards just came falling down. I genuinely don't know how Winnipeg actually held on to the 2-0 lead here, because... This was probably one of the most disorganized performances we've seen from the Jets in a while. It felt like nobody had a really clear plan or vision and that the instructions were very muddled. The biggest problem is why, you know, Paul Maurice keeps turning back to Connor Shifley-Wheeler when it's proven that this line doesn't work. Like, I, I don't know if he just doesn't recognize it or if he just ignores it. And if he's choosing this line for a particular reason, I'd love to know the thinking because right now that line is kind of killing Winnipeg, and when you split them apart, you get far better results, you get genuine balance, and Winnipeg can actually play and roll up more than like two lines. We also saw extremely minimal ice time for some of the depth forwards who were arguably some of the better players on the night, so that's very frustrating for me. It seems like Nate Thompson got put into the lineup to be a penalty killer and didn't actually kill any of the penalties, so that seems like a bit of a waste. And uh, it just felt, I don't know, like a very disjointed performance and it was very confusing. You know, I had to turn my brain off and, and think about it just from a more fun perspective because tactically speaking, this game was kind of a disaster. I feel like the Jets just sort of went out there for a skate. It felt more like a scrimmage. But the problem is, is Vancouver treated it like a real game. And, you know, Winnipeg got pressured the entire time, especially towards the end of the game in the third period. I honestly don't know how the Jets didn't concede because they were an absolute mess. They did not prevent any of Vancouver's skaters from getting to the slot. It was basically an open freeway. And in the offensive zone, they spent like a couple of seconds there at most before they got ousted very quickly. It was very disjointed. You would see Wheeler in some part of the offensive zone that didn't make any sense, marked by like three different Vancouver skaters, Shifley and Connor dueling in the corner with somebody and losing both battles, of course. And then they get pinned deep inside their own defensive zone for the rest of the shift. And it's just like, what? what is this actually accomplishing? So I, I don't know. 
know. This was a very strange game. Somehow Winnipeg prevails 2-0. I feel like they crap house their way through some of these wins. And it's a little bit worrying to see a game that they lost 3-2 have more of a clear tactical approach and, and pretty good even strength play against the Oilers be a better game than we saw in this 2-0 win against Vancouver. I feel like it was a very great and fortunate thing that Bersois was in pretty good form tonight because otherwise would have been a very bad scoreline. The Jets got dummied and looked very disorganized, which we've seen a couple of times in previous games, but like at the bare minimum, at least they played for like 20 minutes and were able to create for a couple of periods before they basically just shut down. But I'm not going to rant about a 2-0 win. It is what it is. We sort of know that the Jets are going to teeter on disaster every now and then. That's just part of the equation that comes with this team and the coaching staff. That'll wrap it up for tonight's episode. Um, let me know what you thought about this game and what you think overall about the state of the Jets at HL Living Loco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you give me any interesting thoughts, I might talk about it in our next episode. Before you log off, though, be sure to check out Locked On Bets. 2020 is mercifully over, and it's time for a fresh start with a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want even more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!